everyone has heard of Cliff Bars, the ubiquitous brand that helped to get all those energizing portable morsels on the map and into our backpacks and briefcases for over 30 years now. But did you know that the Cliff family makes wine? Nestled in the heart of Napa Valley, the Cliff family is working to create a healthier, more sustainable world through the enjoyment of wine, food, and connection. They organically farm the grapes, olives, fruit, and vegetables that go into their wine and food products and work with suppliers to source these sustainable ingredients. But what intrigued me greatly after hearing the president of Cliff Family, Lindsay Gay, speak at the Sustainable Food Summit was how they started producing honey, which was kind of a fortuitous accident that is helping the environment. This story is intriguing, and we get into how the Cliff family is really changing the wine and food experience and how regenerative agriculture is the future of sustainability. Let's dig in. Hi, I'm Chef Maria, the Fit Foodie, and this is Recipes for Your Best Life, where we dish about all things related to food, health, and wellness to nourish you from the inside out. I love hosting special guests who are experts in their field. And we also get to talk about topics that are important for your well-being. You'll always get lots of food for thought you can really sink your teeth into. So pull up a chair and welcome to the chef's table. Lindsay, it's great to have you on. Thank you for having me today. I'm so happy to be here. Me too. You know, I got to hear you speak at the Sustainable Food Summit and I was so just intrigued and um, delighted. I had, first of all, no idea that Cliff Bar, Cliff Family, had a winery. So that was news to me. Um, and then you spoke so much about the sustainability and your growing practices. And I'm excited to dive into that today. But can you share a little bit of background on how the Cliff Family went from Cliff Bars to making wine? Yeah, so we've actually been making wine in the Napa Valley for next year will be 20 years. So it's not new for us by any means. It is um, something we've been had our hands in for a while. And I've been with the company for 16 of those years. So I've gotten to see most of uh, been a big part of everything that we have done here. And, you know, if you think about, um, so so Gary Erickson and Kit Crawford are our co-owners and founders of the winery. They also um, were the co-owners of Cliff Bar. Cliff Bar did sell last year. Uh, the winery is still separate from that. And so if you think about Cliff Bar, though, it was always about good food, good taste. You know, it's one of the best tasting energy bars on the market when they first came out. And so, you know, good food has always been a big part of what Gary and Kit have always sought to create. And so when we, when they moved to the Napa Valley about 25 years ago, they moved onto a small farm and decided that they wanted to plant gardens and, and fruit orchards. And at the time really didn't want to get into the wine industry. Hmm. And so they really started with food and that was a core part of what we did. We made olive oil and jams and things like that. And then being in the valley and just the connection of wine and food, the wine came naturally behind that. And so we started making wine. And so the connection of wine and food has been a big part of the Cliff family story. And it really came out of 
the core values and interests uh, that Daring Kid had from from the beginning, both with Cliff Bar and with Cliff Family Winery. So the obviously Cliff Bar, you know, huge distribution in every store, you know, convenience store, gas station you could walk into. But the Cliff Winery and the approach to food is quite different. Can you talk about how that has sort of stayed more of a, you know, kind of homestead almost like distribution, right? Yeah, so everything we do is very much on the specialty, small boutique scale. Um, we we do make a line of uh, savory nut mixes, uh, dark chocolates, and the honey, which we'll talk about a little bit more today. I think um, they the products have always been created to support the wine and kind of the idea of wine and food pairing, or also inspired by or made here in the Napa Valley. So. Um, while we don't source all of the nuts and, you know, obviously not the chocolate and things that go into some of those products, we are the, our chef here at the winery creates all of the recipes to pair specifically with wines. And then on the, um, we do have a line of products that come from our organic farm here in the Napa Valley. So we make jams, hot sauces, olive oils. Uh, from our from the fruit and, and produce that we grow up at the farm, the produce from the farm also goes into our food truck. So we have a food truck next to our tasting room, and so our culinary program is pretty robust, and it's a very big part of our entire our hospitality experience here. So wine, of course, is front and center, but the food is a is a very important element of that. So it's really it's a destination. To absolutely yes yeah. yeah. So with, you know, obviously this background and interest uh, from the family to create, um, you know, food and an experience for people to really enjoy. Um, I And I believe that sustainability and great food that comes from, you know, a, a good heritage or a good growing model, um, those two things go hand in hand. How... Did sustainability become an integral part of your company's ethos? Yeah, so we uh, our sustainability ethos is really built around what we call our five aspirations model of doing business. So the um, idea is that we put into balance five aspirations around sustainability, sustainable, sustaining our brands, our business, our people, our planet, and our community. And so all of those have to be in balance for us to have a successful business um, for, for now and for our future. The planet piece of that is um, we take that a little a step further in terms of how we communicate that both internally and with our customers. And we say we like to, uh, we think like a tree. And so we're a business that thinks like a tree. So trees run on renewable energy, they recycle all waste, they sustain and improve the places they grow. So our model of business, every business decision that we make is built around that line of thinking. And how can we think like a tree? We ask our team members that here every day and every decision that they make. And we um, try to give our customers, whether that's people that come into the tasting room or our wine club members or someone who might experience our products from buying it on a, you know, in a specialty food store in, in their hometown uh, outside of the Napa Valley, that we really are putting that philosophy and, and that sustainability motto into action in everything that we do. Mm, I love that. And, and I think it can be done. I mean, obviously it's, it's something that I think we talk often about sustainability 
you know, as this big looming, you know, idea or concept, but really the execution of it comes down to just deciding this is what we're going to do and, and making that part of your, your values, your company's, you know, backbone really. Um, and do, do you believe that that was, you know, kind of crafted as, as one of the, the, core values of the company um, from the onset? Or was that something that kind of came and evolved? Well, I think because Gary and Kid had created that at Cliff Bar and created that that those values, when we started Cliff Family Winery, although it was a separate company and a completely you know different business, we you know they they took those same values and put and applied them to to a different business, and we were able to say, okay, how can we take those that five aspirations business model and now the idea of thinking like a tree when we think about our planet um, aspiration and apply that to the wine industry? And how can we be a force for change and good within our industry? And it's, you know, I think we're starting to see, we've of course had many impacts and are feeling as a, as a farming community here in the Napa Valley, we have felt the impacts of climate change in many ways over the last decade. And so that is forcing the community to come together more around, you know, how can we be more sustainable as an industry? But we um, really pride ourselves at always having a seat at the table in those conversations because it's been something that's been part of our DNA from day one. Yeah. And it really came from Gary and Kit and what they had built at Cliff Bar and then, you know, bringing those same values to the winery and farm. Which is so important because I think the wine industry, you know, really there's a lot of kind of, just for lack of better words, it can be pretty dirty. You know, there's a lot of additives that are used and, um, you know, the farming practices are not, there just isn't a lot of transparency, I would say, you know, or, you know, disclosure about processes. Can you share a little bit about the wineries, um, you know, processes and, and what do you do differently than other wineries do to adhere to that sustainability and, and better quality? practice. Yeah. So organic farming is the heart of what we do. And we had as a, we're a smaller brand. We don't, you know, up until three years ago, we only farmed 10 acres ourselves. Now we actually farm 90 acres, all of which are CCOF organic certified and Napa green certified, which is a local sustainability certification for both wineries and vineyards. So our vineyards are Napa green certified and Napa green takes a little bit more of a holistic look uh, beyond just what organic would look at. Okay. So that's, where it starts starts in the vineyard winemaking starts in the vineyard starts in the soil what we're putting into you know the health of our soil the health of our vines and and then ultimately what comes from that and so organic has always been part of it's been a kind of the baseline for what we do and our farm out the fruit orchards all of orchards everything that we farm is is organic all of our food products are ccof certified organic and um, one of the challenges that we had as a smaller winery, a smaller um, uh, winery here in the valley, when we didn't have our own vineyard source, was finding CCOF certified organic grapes, and then also if we couldn't find that, encouraging or working with farmers when we weren't a huge part of their you know supply or who they were growing for. 
um, to, to make that happen. So it was really important for us to be able to take that into our own hands and be able to farm organically. And so we start there. And then we really there's a lot of different aspects that we look at. Um, you know, of course what happens in the winery, but also we are very focused on our packaging. So right now we're making a lot of changes. You know, we're, we are primarily, a um, we ship all over the country to wine club members and, and consumers, um, who purchase our wines online. And so, you know, the, the packaging materials, the shipping materials, you know, we're, we're an industry that uses heavy glass bottles for a lot of, you know, for, for many of our products, especially on the higher end, really taking an approach of lighter weight glass. Uh, we took a big step this year where we're moving towards no foils. So the, the capsule that's on the top of the lab, on top of your wine above the cork. Um, it's purely decorative. It's very nice. And, you know, of course it always looks nice as it's peeking out in your wine cellar and mm-hmm. but we, it's not necessary. And when it's on the bottle, it's actually harder to recycle. So we're making that transition and hoping that we can encourage others in the industry to do the same. So always, always asking, you know, we, we do something and then we ask ourselves, what can we do next? How can we even, how can we do better? And, yeah. um, you know, it's a, it's a journey and you don't, I think, I, I think we talked about this at the sustainable wine summit where we met, you know, you don't, we often wait to try to communicate those things until we have it all perfectly tied up in a nice little yeah. bow. And, but it's not really, that's not really how it works. And I think we all, if we can share the journey and the steps we're making and learn from that as an industry and, and cross industries as well, that's where we're really going to have an impact. And so that's what's been important to us. We used to be a little bit afraid to talk about it because we felt like, well, some of our sourcing is organic and we haven't quite got that last little bit. Okay, but we're working on it. We know we need to work on that. We know that's important to us and important to the industry. So we're trying to do a better job of talking about that as we go. Well, and I I think it's important too, because I think that you know there's there's been a stigma or some sort of strange association, I think, with organically grown grapes that go into wine and and taste and and the actual flavor. Um, what yeah. do you think that is and how do you combat that? Because I've never I mean, with with the exception of the use of sulfites, I can't really quite understand why that would be a problem. Yeah. So I'm not the scientist and I'm not the winemaker. And I <laughs> <laughs> but uh, our wines are not, our wines themselves are not CCOS certified organic. So 100% of the fruit that goes into the wines that we're sourcing, there's only one, or actually two wines right now that we're still transitioning into organic sourcing. Those aren't from our estate vineyards. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, so the fruit is all grown organic. When it comes into the winery, we do use sulfites in our wines because we are looking to age our wines. And so, you know, I can, I, like I said, I'm, I'm not going to be able to speak to all the technicalities of why that works or the taste or whatever, but our winemaker says we need to put sulfites in those wines. Well, under CCOF guidelines, you can't do that. And so the issue for many wineries, and, and I think where a lot of the misconceptions have gone around, you know, taste or is this idea of what's organic and what's not organic wine. And if the wine itself is certified organic, it must not be good because you, and I think this has changed. Um, there, there are a lot more really great organic wines on the market. And I hope that we 
or, you know, that's kind of our next step is what does that look like for us? But it is a, it is definitely a hurdle that we have within the winemaking process. So most wines are not certified organic as the product, but the farming and the grapes and, you know, wines and, and you have just a couple ingredients, which is typically grapes and sulfur dioxide. Yeah. Well, I mean, even, even still, I mean, just the, the act of, you know, cultivating an organic, a certified organic crop to go, you know, being the, basically the only agricultural ingredient that goes in there, you know, is making huge strides towards sustainability and, and keeping the soil healthy. What other approaches or or tactics do you implement in order to keep the soil um really healthy um you know crop over crop after crop season after season in you know especially in light of all of the crazy weather that we've been having and the impacts <laughs> that the environment you know we're we're i i have so much respect for growers because it's like not only are you trying to do the right thing and create a you know cultivate a beautiful crop but you're literally having to slay dragons in the meantime you know right. <laughs> yeah it hasn't been easy the last few years uh, well, one thing that we have started doing, and actually we are definitely not alone. I, you know, I was saying, I think I wrote something the other day, uh, for, you know, just like you used to see mustard lining, you know, we still see mustard lining the, you know, rows of vineyards here in the valley. And that's kind of the sign of spring. Now you see sheep. And so um, that the the use of sheep to for fertilization and tilling and, and weeding and all of that has been a big part of the of regenerative uh, agriculture practices and is something that we have instituted in all of our vineyards. So it reduces the number of tractor passes that's needed. It's kind of a, a natural fertilizer and it really um, helps improve the health of the soil. So it's been exciting to see that um, we we bring the sheep to all of our vineyards and but now you'll be driving along, you know, the main highway 29 in, in Napa and you just, there's a bunch of sheep on the side. And it's kind of a fun part. Do they ever get into the grapes? No, it's this time of year. They're not, the vines are dormant. So yeah. they're really there to just, um, and, and I know that some vineyards use sheep more year round where we do it through in the, in the winter season. Um, and there are some methods for keeping them away from the grapes, but yeah, we don't have that issue right now. <laughs> That's been one thing. And, you know, water has been an issue up until this year. So really trying to figure out how we reduce the amount of water that we need and how we're, you know, being very responsible and conservative with the water that we do use. Um, you know, dry farming is something that you see more around here. Um, we have a relatively new vineyard, so we haven't been able to implement that yet. But um, as the vines mature, that's something that we'll we'll definitely be continuing to look at our water use and and how we can reduce the the use of water. Right now, it feels like why would we even think about that? Does everything something wet? But yeah, <laughs> that's not yeah. the that's not the that hasn't been the norm the last few years. And can you just touch on quickly what the benefits of dry farm, dry farming is, you know, or are um, for wine? Have you ever wondered, is rinsing my produce with 
the water that comes out of the sink that I don't even drink enough to really clean it, well then you're one of the smartest people I know. Because you're absolutely right, it's not enough. That's why we created the only all natural and patented line of food wash and wipes. And it's called Eat Cleaner. It's tasteless, odorless, and lab tested. And it removes up to 99.9% of the residue that water can't, including pesticides, wax, soil, and junk that can carry bacteria that can really make you sick. Plus, we formulated it to help extend the shelf life of your fresh produce too. And that'll save you money. When your berries are lasting up to 10, 12 days, you know that's a good thing. It helps your produce last up to five times longer using a natural blend of fruit acids and antioxidants. So there's no chemicals, it's just clean, eating, fun. And this can help save your family an average of over $500 per year. Make it easy on yourself, reduce waste, and get that fruit and veggies into your body where it's gonna do you a lot of good and not in the trash. Check us out, eatcleaner.com or head to our Amazon store at amazon.com forward slash eat cleaner. Well, it depends. I mean, there's lots of environmental benefits of, of you know, reduced water use. It's, you know, but um, in terms of the, the grapes themselves, um, people would argue that there's, more concentration of flavor that can occur in the mind in the in the grapes. Um, with there's, you know, it definitely has an impact on on taste, and um, I think that that's a preference too. So some people, you know, there's there's um, and and it really would depend on the varietal as well. Um, mm. And know, ultimately, you know, conserving resources um, would be the benefit of of dry farm. Yeah. You know agriculture. Um, let's talk a little bit about the honey, because I, I think I, I found that part of your talk so intriguing. Um, help us understand how that got introduced. Yeah. So the honey project fell in our lap a little bit and partly because we are, we do have a line of specialty food products. And so, um, we make, now six different honey, raw honey, honey spreads, and and uh, hot honey, and it is all made from solar grown honey. So there is a practice now, you know, that the amount of ground mounted solar is significantly increasing, and those numbers change all the time. So I feel like any data I share on that front is, you know, but, but solar is increasing. We all know that, and um, so traditionally you might have seen solar plant, you know, put onto concrete or turf or you know big dirt fields, and the idea is um, to create pollinator friendly habitat within the solar field, so that you know one you're increasing habitat for pollinators. Um, two, there's there's a lot of different benefits for you know cooling. They, they it cools the solar panels themselves. It, it cools things down to be more efficient. Um, it's good for groundwater. It's good for soil health. But there's also an added benefit of um, one, for some people, there's there's tests going on right now to actually plant crops under the, the solar panels. So I think it's in, um, I want to say it's in Arizona where it's very hot. And when you plant, you know, they're doing some pepper trials with peppers to plant peppers under these 
solar panels. Um, and so, you know, you're taking farmland and you're using that for solar energy, but you're also now stacking the benefits of that and putting, so you're also able to continue to plant crops and also take away some of the impacts, negative impacts that are happening to these crops as temperatures as temperatures rise or, you know, under more drought conditions and things like that. We um, actually started working with a company or a beef, uh, a, a gentleman who actually makes honey was working with uh, bee, beekeepers and these beekeepers were are placing the hives within the pollinator friendly solar farms. So it's a, you know, it's a kind of a win-win. We say it's a win-win for the planet and the palate because we are, you know, there's an economic benefit for the beekeepers. There's an, a, so many great environmental benefits that happen by planting pollinator-friendly habitat within these solar farms. And we have this amazing product that we're able to sell because we have the ability and the the customers to sell that to. So it's called Solar Grown. It is trademarked, um, not just from us, we use that trademark. Um, so there are also a few other companies. I think there's a few beer makers who make a Solar Grown honey beer. There's some cosmetic companies. Um, but the idea is that it is, you know, beehives placed on and around pollinator-friendly solar farms. And the the scientific term that it is agrovoltaics is what... what so interesting. Yeah. So I wonder, do you know if these products are more somehow nutrient dense or if the nutrition profile, I, I just, I off the cuff thought, but I wonder if because yeah. they're within that proximity to the panels, if there's some sort of like, you know, concentration of vitamin D or so, I don't know, like who knows what. Yeah. I don't, I don't know the answer to that. Actually, <laughs> that's a very good, I don't think we're that random thought that just studies. Oh, maybe, maybe there is some research. I don't know that specifically for our honey. Um, if we eat I, that honey, we'll like become 10 times as strong, like right. superheroes. <laughs> powered by the sun. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Agrivolt I think it's an interesting question though. Yeah, I, I think it I think it would be worth looking into. So so yeah. you guys created basically a new industry for the winery around the honey. How is that received? Yeah, it's great. I mean, it, we already have the line of specialty food products. So, you know, for us, we incorporate all of those products into our tastings that we do in the tasting room, into our food truck menu. Uh, we sell them in our retail shop. We sell them online. We also do corporate gifting and, 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 and just gifting in general. So we have a lot of food and wine gifts on our website. Um, and then we have a food and wine club in addition to our, our wine club. So food has always been a part of what we sell. And yeah. so the honey was a very natural fit into that. And honey is a really wonderful accompaniment to a lot of things that you're going to do with wine. So whether you're adding it to a cheese board or perfect with cheese on a charcuterie board. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I Um, think, you know, what I find intriguing about the honey is that you are unlike perhaps, you know, the other foods like chocolate or nuts. I mean, you're actually producing it. You're producing it, you know, from beginning to end and you're harvesting that and then selling that. So it's sort of like you get to really, you know, um, be that producer as well of the, of the end product is 
there an education that happens at the winery about how it's harvested and how it's, you know, this agrivoltaic, um, you know, way that it's produced? Yeah, we've, we have been, we've spent a lot of time training our team and, and, and actually, you know, this is a, it, it's not a really simple concept to explain in, a, you know, just in a couple of words, right? People are like, solar grown, what does that mean? And then you have to kind of, so we've worked to really create visuals to help people understand what this looks like. And that, and that the idea here is really about stacking multiple environmental benefits. And that's where you really see, you know, that's what's, that's what's really cool about this concept and this product and where there's um, a lot of opportunity in, you know, to, to grow this in, in multiple different you know, crops and, and different industries and things like that. Yeah. Um, so for us, we've seen it as a really great opportunity to just to educate people about something different and a different way to think about sustainability in your food products. For our team, we've, you know, really worked to help them un- come up with ways that they can message that easily because <laughs> you don't always have, you know, the 10 minutes to like, here's what agrivoltaics is. Yeah, let me draw you a chart here. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, one of the great things is because the the way we've created these honey products and our the, our culinary team utilizes them and you know dishes on the food truck or whatever. There's a really nice connection that always happens. So pretty much every single tasting experience that happens in the tasting room will include some type of honey product, um, whether that's the cacao honey spread with your cabernet or you know the, the uh, hot honey on a you know on a beautiful piece of cheese with your Chardonnay. Um, there's, it's just a really nice way to bring it back to how this all comes together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, there's nothing uh, to your point earlier, you know, are these, are there any specific benefits? There's, there's the honey is amazing because it's coming from these amazing pollinator rich areas with the beehives. Yeah. There's nothing you otherwise, I mean, it's honey. It's still honey. <laughs> um, and, but it's just a, such a, a lovely product. And then you add on this and it has all these amazing uh, benefits in terms of how it impacts our environment in positive ways. Well, and if you think about it too, I mean, I think just creating interest in a product that is helping the environment because people don't realize how important bees are, um, how many pollinator plants we rely on for our survival, you know? Um, Well, it's not just bees. I mean, you know, we're in the monarch pathway or that, you know, there's, there's so many, um, there's so many pollinators. And then that's the thing people think about. And I think, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about the bee side of it because we're talking about honey, but there's pollinator friendly habitat that's put within these solar panels and and on these solar farms is, it attracts, it's, it's beneficial to all types of pollinators. And right now that's something that, you know, is a critical, a critical need because there's a huge loss of pollinator habitat across the United States. Yes. Save the bees and the pollinators. Right. <laughs> um, you mentioned regenerative agriculture, and that was another term that came up in the summit quite often and definitely um, trending in just discussions around the natural products industry. Can you share a little bit about how you as a company have, you know, taken that, you know, that and applied it um, 
in different ways? Yeah. So we are not regenerative agriculture certified at this point. We've been looking at it. We're actually in the process of working on our B Corp certification right now. So we're that's our that's been we're our out of time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there are so many things that we do do or that we do in our, you know, at the farm or within our vineyards that um, is beyond just organic. It's, it's beyond what we just put in the soil. And, you know, it, it, so there's a lot of regenerative agricultural practices. Um, we are still put kind of figuring out what that means in terms of how we communicate that and what we, where we're going to go as a business in terms of, certifications or, or what that looks like um, because it has become the the kind of the next, I don't want to call it the buzzword. It's so important, but it is the next, you know, way it, it's kind of that next frontier of sustainability in terms of, um, especially when we're talking about crops like vineyards or, you know, larger scale. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a work in progress for us right now. Um, but a lot of the practices that we're doing around um, just soil management and soil health and biodiversity and, you know, the, the sheep in the vineyards and those are all a part of that. And yeah. so we're, you know, I think we, we incorporate that just because that's part of who we are, but we haven't put a lot of parameters around it yet. Yeah. So for everybody listening, regenerative really is that next step. It's, you know, USDA organic is or ccof however whoever is certifying it you know there are different um benchmarks and things that you can use in those practices and things that you're prohibited from using but regenerative really is about long-term sustainability yes. um is that on on the dashboard do you think that in general when people come to cliff family winery that their experience is so really different than other wineries because of your ability to kind of bring the whole story full circle. Do, do you think most people understand it or are they really just enjoy good food and good wine? We were just having this conversation as a team, you know, it's such an important part of what we do and we feel like it's an important element for us to communicate to the people that visit us or our wine club members or um and, and any anybody who is interacting with the cliff family brand we want to help them understand that that there is a lot that goes into all of the decisions that we make and how we make our products and and that there really is a focus on sustainability um we always know we have a better, we can do a better job of telling that story. And so that's something we're really trying to work on as a team and also how we engage our, especially our club members. You know, we have wine club members who have been part of our club for a long time and, and they are part of our club for many different reasons. They love, you know, hanging out with us. They love our food truck. They love our wines. Um, there's definitely people who are, um, really love to be part of Cliff Family because they know that our values align with their values. But we also think that the next step is to really figure out how we can help them, how we can be an influence for change among our customers as well. And, and to say, hey, we can all work together to, to do more and yeah. have a more positive impact. And so that's something that we're spending a lot of time thinking about. And I think that will continue to evolve. Um, but yes, I do think that people know that there's, you know, I think it's, it's also 
it's the planet piece and 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 what we you know how we farm but it's also the connection we have with our community i mean one of the big and had, one of the things that Gary and Kit always wanted was for our tasting room to be a gathering spot for people, whether they were coming from across the country or they live here. And that truly, that has happened. That's a big part of what we do. And so the, the engagement with our community and, and how that translates to just people and the people who work here. And um, I think all of that comes together and is part of why people love Cliff family. Yeah. I, I, uh, I really, feel strongly that when people are connected, you know, when they're connected with each other physically, like within a circle, they're just going to have a better level of understanding. I mean, I don't know. I just think it opens up our, um, our comprehension our and our understanding just that much more when we're in community with each other. Yeah, I agree. hundred percent conducive to that, you know, and I think that's why we crave to be together. I think that's why, you know, a classroom setting for learning is much more powerful than just learning on your own. You know, there's something collaborative about that. Um, This has been so interesting and I would encourage everybody to check out Cliff Family Winery. Where's the best place that they can learn more? Yeah, our website's a great spot to start. It's uh, Cliff Family, one F on the cliff, and then family. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that there's a you know all a lot of all of our products are there. The wine and the food. There's a lot of information about the solar grown honey, our sustainability programs, some great videos, and then also how you can visit us. And if, if people are in Napa Valley, coming to the, our tasting room is is the best thing to do. I'm so excited. We're coming yes. up. Um, my daughter is graduating from UC Davis in June and we're going to, we're going to make that trip happen. So okay, well, let me know and <laughs> come experience yeah. it firsthand. Perfect. Perfect. So Lindsay, every guest gets asked the same question. If you could have one meal, your favorite meal created by anybody hmm. living or not, <laughs> what would it be and who would make it for you? Wow. Okay. Um, well, I have recently met, lost my mother and I would definitely take anything for her to make me a meal. And, um, I'm just trying to think which one it would be, but it probably would be her cornmeal pancakes. (laughs) So I know that's kind of a, (laughs) um, random, random meal, but that brings back a lot of, uh, a lot of heartwarming not not random at all. I think food, food is the fabric that brings us together and creates memories and um, helps us just to be in community with each other. So I love yeah. that. And uh, <laughs> our moms are in heaven enjoying those pancakes yes. together. I yeah. promise. <laughs> Thank you, Thank Lindsay. You. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. <laughs> Hey, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I know you have a lot of choices out there of what to listen to, what to watch. So it means a lot to me that you're here with me. And hey, if you love this content, would you hit the subscribe button? I want you around. I don't want you to just show up for one episode and leave. I want you here, part of the conversation, a seat at this table. And while you're at it, would you share this with your friends and family? And if you take a screenshot, and share it on your social media with a hashtag, 
R-F-Y-B-L for Recipes for Your Best Life. I'll make sure to personally give you a shout out and you may just be featured right here on the show. So until next time, here's to living deliciously and being the chef of your best life.